My name is Anthony O'Connell, Upper Feast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm a man with a high voice. I moved to New York City to pursue stand-up comedy, started a food blog in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, recently moved back to Columbus, Ohio, and decided to start a podcast. I'll be interviewing people that love to Upper Feast, people in the service industry, restaurant owners, foodies, comedians, anyone who loves food, I'll be talking to them. Brandon Scott Wolf is a great friend, a funny guy. He works for a production company out in Hollywood. We talk about eating at a five-star hotel in Moscow, Russia with A-list celebrities. Caring your food, disgusting or not a big deal. An air fryer changed his life, pasta a la Brandon, and much, much more. Hi, uh, I'm Brandon Scott Wolf. I'm a comedian, writer, producer, person who lives in Los Angeles, California. I ran out of hyphens there, so I had to say person. But I love food. I've gotten into cooking since COVID-19 and the pandemic broke out, and I'm ready to upper feast. If you're not here to upper feast, then you are here to upper lease, and you got to move it, sister. That's what I say. <laughs> That's right. So uh, first of all, you're a very funny comedian. We're buddies. We used to do a podcast called Always Been Silly. You have, you used to have a food Instagram where you took pictures of empty plates. I did, and it lasted for a full year. It was a parody of people of New York, humans of New York, folks of New York, whatever you want to call it. It was instead of people, it was plates, empty plates, as you said. And then I would make the plates talk in the captions, a little comment being like, oh, I feel so dirty ever since yada yada, whatever the joke is. And then it would be attributed to my name is Charles and I am a plate from a Chinese restaurant in Queens. And that was that. It did well, got on NPR. Some folks talked about it online and then I stopped doing it. Because, you know, a 365-day project's enough. Enough's enough. Right, absolutely. So I, I like to open up with some feaster passes. Veal, feaster pass. Feast. I know it's a negative thing with these baby cows who are being tortured, but have you had a good cutlet? A nice veal cutlet? Excellent. It is so good, and it, and it is polarizing, and that's why I asked. Because if you would have said pass, I'd be like, I get it. But I feel like if you eat regular cow, you're still killing a cow to, you know what I mean? Like, get that delicious veal. I will say murdering a child is worse than murdering an adult. If we're going down that route, like morally, yeah. but animal-wise, here's the thing I always question. I love chicken wings. Yeah. They're tiny, they're tiny little wings. Are we killing the baby chickens for these wings? How many, how many animals have I eaten in one, you know, sit down for a plate of wings? One pound of wings is like nine baby chickens. That's horrific. It is. And if you, if you do the math on chicken wings, like say you ordered 12 chicken wings, what is that? Is that four chickens had to die for that? Cause like two wings died? Two wings, two legs. So a lot of- Actually no, just, they're, they're just wings. They're not even legs. The drums are part of the wing, right? It's like one mega thing and they rip it apart. Yeah. The drum and the flat is the two components. So really it's only, yeah, four chicken wings. So it's two wings, but for the human eating it, it's four wings because they separate it. Anyways, you got to kill a lot of chickens to get 12 wings is the point of my story. I mean, and it also must be so sad, like factory farming, to just mow down a bunch of small birds and being like, these are going to be doused in hot wings. It's like, ah, like, I don't want to see it. Like, I love eating meat, but I don't want to see how the animal's killed. Oh, of course. I mean, I want it from the grocery store in a nice, cute little package, and I just take that home. And I even get grossed out touching raw food. Like, that even kind of bothers me. But as I cook more, I am starting to get used to it. I am such a coward, and I I hope to never be the person who has to pull the trigger on an animal. Like, I think hunting is great if you're doing it, and it's in your family, and that's how you get food for yourself in a remote location. But also just, like, the idea of killing a small animal and being like, we're going to eat it. 
Now, fish, on the other hand, they don't have souls. You can murder as many fish as you want. Just chop their little heads off. You can't, they, can't, they don't even scream. So where I'm going for here, I'm feasting on the veal. Do we got another hot take? Fast food. Do you feast or pass fast food? I know you're kind of the healthy guy a little bit, but feast or pass? Feast. Feast. I love feasting on fast food, especially um, when, when you're out and about. So I spent the last six or seven or eight months some amount of time in quarantine without really seeing anyone. I was able to work from home with the gig I have right now. And I was like, you know what? It's time to go out for a hike. My girlfriend and I, we went out for a hike. After the hike, we were like, we're really hungry. And as we were waiting in the drive-through line at McDonald's, I was like, wow, this is such like an unfamiliar feeling because the world has shifted. And then when I got my McDoubles, I almost cried. I was like, this is delicious. <laughs> I love this so much. It was so comforting, I bet. Fast food is very comforting. So comforting. It's poison, but it is, it's it's like a, a hug. Hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far. If you're liking it, please subscribe, tell a friend. If you're loving it, please give us a five-star review. Big 180 here. What do you think makes a great dining experience? Okay, so are we talking about pre-COVID or currently? I mean, I guess pre-COVID, because I feel like right now, like for me, my answer, a big, huge answer is vibes and ambiance. And that's pretty mm. much dead nowadays. Like we got... At least in Columbus, we have these weird like plastic dividers between people. The server's wearing like a hazmat suit. Like the vibe is not there. No, the vibe has fallen off. I haven't gone to many restaurants since this started, but I went to like a mountain town in uh, Big Bear, California. And I went to a patio bar just to get like an appetizer and a beer. And that was the only time I went out, but... The patio was pretty good. We were spaced six feet apart. And I was like, the vibe here is chill. This is chill. No one's getting up in my business. That's nice. So I would agree with you. Vibes are important. But I will say that I think the most important part of a meal is the conversation you have with someone else. I feel like if you're not sharing a meal with a buddy, a friend, what's the point of going out? I see it as a form of entertainment. Even if the food is bad, you can kind of talk about that. And if the service is slow, it's something you can talk about. There's always, there's always a, a new jumping off point and adventure when it comes to a meal. And each meal needs to be shared with someone. Otherwise, what are you doing? Oh my God, dude. I could not agree more. Like good company. You could literally go to like, actually one time when I lived in New York, I went to Chinatown. The, the restaurant had a C rating on the door, like C's. A is obviously the best. B is fine. C is you're going to get diarrhea. But I went with a pretty girl. But it's not closed. <laughs> it's not closed. <laughs> yeah, if it was a D, that would stand for D's for dead. And then you don't get to go in there anymore. But yeah, I went with a girl and we were talking. We had an amazing time. She was hilarious. She was riffing bits. Like It was just like super cool. I feel like I could eat like a dollar slice. If you and I are walking around Manhattan eating a dollar slice, that's one of the best meals ever. Yeah, it doesn't even need to be a, hey, we're sitting at this table. It's like, hey, we got some good food. Let's go to a park bench or whatever. I think... I think my answer is just a build a build on an extension of your answer, to be honest. Fair enough. Because you said chill vibes, and I was like, hey, you got to have a good conversation. Yeah, you need good vibes. But you, oh, are you a person who can go to a restaurant by yourself and just be like, this is comfortable, I'll sit here quietly? One of my best dining experiences ever was, I got invited to Conmigo, which is an amazing Mexican restaurant on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And I only have like 400 followers at the time. And they invited me to come get free food. 
and it was so cool. Like the area was set up right by the light. They had the windows extra open and they just, they had a bottle of Pellegrino on the, on the table. Cause they know I like bubbly. It was just really amazing. And like the owner was telling me about his, his grandmother's recipes, how he started the restaurant, his passion for the restaurant. And we were just talking and vibing and I was just chugging margaritas and making food content. That was one of my best dining experiences ever. And that was by myself. How about you, Brain Man? Do you got a great dining experience? One of the most fun dining experiences I have ever had is I was on a work trip. I worked for a production company where I signed NDAs and I can't really talk about anything officially. But my work trip had me going to Moscow, Russia, which most people don't have access to in America. And I could never get back, probably. Like the World Cup was going on. They gave Americans a thumbs up to go over there. And I work for a big production company that has like A-list Hollywood stars attached. And so I ended up getting invited to, it was a hotel, I believe, made for Lennon in his honor. Oh my God. Which has since been turned into a Marriott. Like they bought the rights to it. At the top floor of this Moscow Marriott, which is like, a five-star hotel resort that only like kings and queens and dignitaries usually get invited to. I was invited into this main room and then we realized there weren't enough seats. And so I'm low man on the totem pole and they're like, Brandon, we're not kicking you out, but you're going to be eating with three of your coworkers in the room next door. So I got the boot from where like the celebrities were and things like that. But it turns out that the service there for the big room, because there were like 80 people, was very slow and bad. Uh And since I was with a group of only four people in this nice top floor dining area with like a, a lounge singer, beautiful bar, they gave me a 15 course meal completely free of charge that had truffle pasta, filet mignon, Anything that you would think of, it just kept coming out. And my coworkers who like, they'll eat, but like, they're not monsters like I am. (laughs) They were like, oh, I'm full by like round eight. And I was like, keep it coming. So like by round 14, when the steak came out, when like this, we had uh, black and red caviar, borscht with like elk meat in it. It was like intense. And I've since talked about this meal with a coworker of mine who was there with me. And he was like, I don't know if you are mistaking quality with quantity because like it was all very good, but it wasn't like a meal where you just sit down and you're like, oh, I have the one piece of grouper that I've ordered and I want and it's made perfectly. This was just a deluge of nonsense that wouldn't stop. (laughs) And he, to me, was like, Brandon, that's probably not your best meal ever. And I was like, listen up. It didn't stop and all of it was five stars and free. It was clearly the best meal I've ever had. Like if I was about to be killed on death row, I would be like, give me this Russian top floor Lenin Marriott special and never make it stop. That sounds objectively amazing. It was insane. I like wanted to take pictures of everything but it was like uh act like you've been there before and I'm not rich I shouldn't be there I live in a one-bedroom apartment (laughs) and I was just like yes I'll eat everything even things I don't like I was trying if it's five stars I feel like literally they could cook like a twig with literal grass and you're like 
nailed it. You crushed it. Yeah. I, like, have you also gone to a restaurant that's like five stars and they give you like a puny nothing and you're like, what is this? Why did you give me this twig with grass? Yes. And the thing is, is oh, for, first of all, before I t- tell you my story, I just wanted to say, when you first told me that you got kicked out of the room, my first thought was, oh my God, your ego must have been so bruised. But then you told me you basically got VIP service where the real celebrities, the servers were so busy that you actually had probably a better experience than the celebrities probably. It was night and day. And I really thought, I was like, oh man, I'm probably just going to be asked to leave. And they were like, nope, you're still with that party. What would you like? Here's your unlimited drinks. And they would give you vodka that was like, have you ever seen like real Russian vodka? Uh, It comes in like a shot glass that's crystal. And then it has like a stem, like a wine glass to it. So it's like a mini shot glass wine situation. Uh And then you drink it and you're like, wow, this tastes like water. And so like you you get endless vodka there too, because apparently if you say no, it's an insult. So (laughs) the vodka doesn't stop. What an aggressive culture. No, you must drink. I almost did, did a stereotype accent. My buddy Yuri, <laughs> I have a Russian friend, Yuri, and he firmly believes in the, you drink forever until I say stop. So I can definitely relate to that on a poor man's level. But we were drinking like maybe absolute if we were lucky. It was definitely a low end vodka. There's nothing wrong with absolute. I it's think absolute, fun. and I think it's because my older brother, when he was like a teenager, he would, do you remember the absolute ads that you would find in magazines? And it was always the bottle. And then there was some type of like fun design around it. Uh huh. At one point he started ripping them out and then he wallpapered his room with them at like the age of 15. So I always saw absolute vodka and I just thought it was like, oh, it's cool. Everyone likes this. But really what I'm, I'm learning right now and saying it out loud, my brother probably had a drinking problem at a young age. He was probably sneaking booze on the reg. Well, I'm sure he's doing fine now. Now He's 40. He's fine. <laughs> the guy's fine. So, Brandon, when you're not eating with Russian oligarchs, what's like a worst dining experience? Do you have a good worst dining experience? What is the worst meal I have ever had? I've like tried to do some thinking. See, my issue is, is I generally think all things are good, even in life. I'm just like, well, that was pretty good, even when it was bad. Like, I could get hit by a car and be like, that was good. That was an experience. I'm not dead. Only both my legs are broken, <laughs> not my back. I would say one of the worst dining experiences I've ever had, and it wasn't even the experience that was so bad, it was the aftermath. I used to intern at the UCB Theater in New York, in the East Village, and there was a deli called Gracefully down the block. And Gracefully usually sold really good deli sandwiches. They have like abominations where it's like almost a fat sandwich. So I ordered this like chicken, cheese, gravy, French fry debacle, whatever it was. And I bit into it and I noticed there was a very long hair in it. And I was back interning off site away from Gracefully. And I was like, this is disgusting. And I started like kind of gagging a little bit. And I was like, ugh, because like (laughs) nasty. Yeah. And so I threw the hair away and then I took most of the sandwich. You know, I took the one bite back to gracefully and I said could I have another sandwich I found a very long hair in that one and the guy behind the counter has very long hair it was clearly his hair and I said I don't need my money back I would just like another sandwich and then the guy said we'll do this for you but next time bring the hair back with you (laughs) and I was like you gotta be kidding me (laughs) 
<laughs> he wanted I, evidence, I guess. Like, why would you make that up? That's insane. I think after thinking for a moment, the worst sandwich, the worst meal, gracefully, and it, it shut down in New York. It closed maybe six months later. And here's the worst part. <laughs> I had a punch card there where if you buy 10 sandwiches, you get one free. And I think that was like the 10th sandwich. Uh-huh. And so I got my punch card and then to get my free 11th sandwich, by the time I came back there, the place was out of business. So I never got my free sandwich. Ugh, what a nightmare. Just no, bad all around. Here's my, here's my thing with hair and I'm definitely not pro hair in food. I feel like if you're an adult, you've likely done some risque stuff, maybe a one night stand or make out with a stranger. How is that less gross than a random innocent hair in your food? I think it's just because you don't expect it. It's something that you're not asking for. And I understand that like there are other situations that you get into, but like the two that you listed sound like something that like after a couple drinks, sure, I'll say yes to this. And I did not say yes to the hair. The hair was an invasion of my good time. This was, this was disgusting. And it was long. It was very long. And I was like, this shouldn't be touching gravy. I mean, the sandwich by itself was nasty. And I was like, why is it in here? Also, when you want a good sandwich while you're working as an intern getting paid zero dollars, you're <laughs> like, I'm taking a, a negative $10 loss on this eight hour shift. Fair enough. At least let me have my five minutes of a good dinner. No, <laughs> that's fair. Just trash. Just a trash sandwich. I'm glad gracefully it's closed down. Boom. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when I was a server, I worked in Times Square and we had a long hair situation with one of my customers. So I have short black hair. Everyone in the kitchen has short black hair. So these group of Karens, uh, sorry to throw that word around frivolously, but they were, they were objective. They weren't named Karen, but they were Karens. You get it. So I bring them their food. They all had long blonde hair, like crazy long blonde hair. And I bring them their chicken parm and there was a long blonde hair in their chicken. And I, I was like, they were like, what is this hair? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, let me get you another one. And then they were like, no, we need like, we need free dessert or something. Like you got to go above and beyond. So I told my manager and he's super New York, like born and raised in Brooklyn. He wasn't having it. He was like, miss, everyone in the kitchen has black hair. Your server has black hair. No one has blonde hair. That's your hair. And they're like, well, this is ridiculous. It's unacceptable. He's like, I'll bring you another one, but you know, you're not getting anything else for free. What do you think about that? You think that was fair on his part? Cause I, well, I was on his team 100%. I think it's completely fair. I will say as a customer, it would be hard for me to be like, there, there's no one here with blonde hair that works in the kitchen. I would be like, you want to prove like, I'm what? not taking that at face value. I would Larry David the situation. Honestly, <laughs> I'd be like, eh, I think I saw the hostess who has blonde hair. There's some blondies. There's got to be at least another blonde person here. I mean, I recently had a delivery to my house. And I was eating a burrito and I found a hair in the burrito, but I was like in my house, it was late at night. I was like, YOLO. I was like, this one's fine. I'm not like stressed out about it. But most of the burrito was eaten and it was really good. It wasn't my first bite and it wasn't like all the way through it. I was like, this is fine. This is fine. And like, I don't know. I think it would be worse to find like a fingernail in something. Like, I think that's worse than a hair. Or short and curly. Yeah, that's that's a grosser hair. That's a way grosser hair. A possible tube is more gross. Yeah, nose hair would be bad, but I would probably be like, that's an eyebrow hair or an eyelash, you know? There's a hierarchy of hair in food. Like, 
I think this is the big takeaway so far from our conversation is that like there's levels to nastiness when it comes to finding, I guess it's technically body parts in your food. It is. Now, does the food matter? Like is hair and soup worse than hair in a burrito? Yes, of course that matters. I think a hair in a soup is a de deplorable thing to find. Or like if you're sucking up soda out of a straw and a hair hits you in the throat, you're like, that was supposed to be liquid. The soup is bad because it's supposed to be liquid, right? We can all agree. Whereas like a sandwich, it's nasty, but you're like, okay, I understand. Someone had to make a sandwich. And like, you know, these sandwich artists, they're not being paid great. No. You got to tip them. Here's the thing I was saying. The other day, when it comes to delivery, especially in this pandemic, you tip 20% or higher. 20% is the minimum, no matter what. They could be two hours late, and when they get to your door, they could fall forward onto the food, destroying it, and I would help them up and be like, here's your $30. I'm so sorry that you did this to me, but <laughs> I will gladly eat the Szechuan wontons that are now on the carpet. Thank you so much. Please be safe. Here's my tipping policy. So I do 20% or more, but at least $5. So say 20% is $350. I round up to five. Times are hard That's for fair. Yes. Give them a five spot. Yes, now, I agree. I do have a little bit of beef with delivery services that you have to tip before the food arrives. In a perfect world, I think they'd, have, they'd be more incentivized if they got the tip when the food got there. You know what I mean? Like say the food comes in 20 minutes, maybe you tip a little extra versus 90 minutes and you're like, okay, 20% bare minimum. So I ran into a situation recently where I had to tip beforehand as well, because usually on a Postmates or a Seamless or whatever the app is, Uber Eats, you can tip afterwards. But I had to go through a private local town delivery service that was like, we're not going to do Uber Eats. We're not going to do Seamless. Forget about anything like that. The food was affordable. I got a cheeseburger, and this is in a small mountain town. I got a cheeseburger, a bacon cheeseburger. I got French fries. I got roll of toilet paper, oddly. And I got a beer for $12. And my girlfriend, Jackie, also got the same meal. And then we got an order of wings to split. So we're eating like uh, royals yet again. You know, that's, that's the theme of my life here. Baller. And yeah, I mean, it was great. And it was only like $30 total. But... Then they had an $8 service fee on that site. And then you had to tip beforehand. So the meal ended up being like 50 plus dollars. And I was like, they really got me with the service fee. They really got me good. The old bait and switch. What was I going to ask you next? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about no delivery fee. Let's talk about cooking at home. You said you've been cooking more. Do you have a, a best cooking experience? Okay. So I bought an air fryer and that has changed my life. I have an air fryer now. Before we hopped on the call, I just made a fried chicken tender sandwich. It changed my life to the point where I always want to use it, and I have become an air fryer magician. <laughs> I will, we should add that to my intro up top. Comedian, <laughs> writer, producer, person, air fryer magician, because I'm making like zucchini parmesan mm. i am making homemade hot wings i am making homemade mozzarella sticks oh my gosh i'm just doing it and i have had time to actually look up recipes i have made one dish that i really like is uh you get a nice piece of salmon and then you put it in this like uh sauce that's a mixture of sriracha honey soy you just let it marinate for a little bit 
and then you put it in the oven with some lemon. Uh-huh. Incredible, incredible. You got to make this salmon. I will find the actual recipe, credit the actual place that I got it from, because you know it's probably delish.com or like some nonsense on that level. But I put the oven on accident. Did you mean the air fryer? Because you said put no, it- no, that one was the oven. Okay. I did not put it. The air fryer is not good for things like uh, fish, in my estimation. I don't want to put a hot dog in there. That's a mistake. Uh, hamburgers, no. Fried fish, right. that's a thing. Fish and chips. I, I will say the hamburgers I've been making have been excellent. That, that has been great. If I, had to, if I had to pick one meal, though, I'm calling it pasta a la Brandon. Ooh, lovely. I should make it for Upper Feast at home. Oh my God, you'll love it. So when I was a kid, my family would go to this, this diner near, near my hometown, the Red Lion Diner, shout out to them, who knows if it still exists. But we would always order this like chicken, mozzarella, broccoli, lemon butter sauce pasta. And I just have been making that and it is next level. What you do is you get some, some chicken, um, you put all the spices on it. It's like pepper, salt, oregano, lemon mixture, all that sort of fun stuff. Sear it with some onions in a cast iron. Oh, love a cast iron. You put more lemon on top of that. You blanch the broccoli because you got to get that nice bright green. Yes. And then you get like the, is it farfel, farfalle, bow tie pasta? What are we calling it today? I say bow tie to be safe, but I, I think it's farfalle, but I don't know for certain. I'm going to just say you use the bow tie pasta and then once the chicken's ready, the onions are cooked down, you put the broccoli in the cast iron, you hit it with some more lemon, you put some butter on top of it because you need the butter. Then you drain the pasta, you put it back into the big pasta pot, you put everything that's in the cast iron on top of the pasta, then you get mozzarella cheese and you put it on there, you mix it with a big wooden spoon and you got some pasta a la Brandon, it's top notch. That sounds truly delightful. And if you want to give me the recipe, I'll put it in the description because I think my people need to check that out. It sounds so freaking good. Oh my God, it's incredible. Do you use like shredded mozzarella or do you do the little mozzarella balls? I usually do the shredded. The mozzarella balls are nice. If you have access to them, I would probably say put those in there. Uh, But really what you need is just a little lemon and a little butter mix it together. I feel like a pasta sauce, like a marinara is good, but a nice lemon butter with garlic. Oh, you got to get that fresh garlic in there too. That's some of the spices you put on the chicken. I love it. Now, do you measure or you just pour it in all willy nilly and hope for the best? So when the quarantine started and I really like, you know, rolled my sleeves up to be like, I'm going to try to cook. I was really looking at every single ingredient, making sure that it was to the T exact. <laughs> like OCD probably. It had to be, this is a quarter cup of this. This is a half cup of this. This is whatever. No more. I just pour shit on top of stuff and I go, that looks fine. Measuring is for cowards. Just feel it with your heart and soul and just pour it on there. And if it's- Buddy, I've been feeling all of this with my heart and that's the issue. I'm uh, winded, wheezing. <laughs> <laughs> Too much butter in my heart. My heart's mainly butter these days. God willing, we'll have the same conversation in 20 years and I'll be like, they just put in a stent. Anyway, so I'm making pasta a la Brandon again and my wife's dead. I keep cooking for her. <laughs> I'm next. Oh. <gasps> You had a good run. It sounds like 20 years. That's beautiful. Do you want to hear a real gross meal I made that I was calling spaghetti a la Brandon last year? Yes. 
Okay, so I made microwave mozzarella cheese sticks. Oh boy. And then I would just make like a pasta sauce with like peppers, onions, and like boil it down. So it's like a jar sauce combined with fresh vegetables. Sure, and sure. then I had spaghetti. So I would put the spaghetti on the plate. Then I would put the cooked mozzarella sticks on top of the spaghetti, and then I would cover it with sauce. So oh. it's like vegetarian, <laughs> just deplorable. I'm uncomfortable with this podcast. We're just going to have to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I guess I'm being a bit elitist. Like, I'm sure if you made mozzarella sticks in your air fryer. And oh, my then- God. The homemade ones? Insanely yeah. good. Better than any restaurant quality mozzarella stick I've ever had. But what if you put the homemade on the sketty? You think that would be good? Sketty, homemade? Yeah, it would be incredible. It's incredible for a meal. So if I can put that on pasta, chef's kiss. You might as well. Uh, Now, one time I I made chicken cutlet. I was going to make a chicken parm sandwich for content. And I foolishly forgot the uh, egg mix. I just did flour and panko. And so all the breading just fell off. And this is really bad, don't waste food people, but I had such a rage attack that I threw the chicken <laughs> in the garbage. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, was- at that point, it's time for delivery. And you're like, I, I can't, I can't. I've been defeated by the cook, the cooking yeah. gods. I just, and the worst part was, is like, in my head, I was like, you know what, F this, like, this is bullshit, like whatever. But then I checked the video evidence and I forgot to dip it in there. So it was totally my fault. It wasn't the food's <sighs> fault, 100% my fault. Sometimes you got to take an L to learn. The L stands for learning and loser. You know, you got to learn, you got to lose, you got to, failing forward's important. I believe we talked about this in the past and even recorded a couple episodes of a, a Always Been Silly a spinoff podcast, but you really do have to take some L's to figure it out. It's important. Absolutely. And I think that's a really nice, sweet message to, to end on is like, if at first you don't succeed, keep trying and, and failing forward is uh, very important. And I think with cooking among all things, the more you do it, the better you get. Like you have to practice, practice makes perfect. And it sounds like you're doing it. It sounds like you're crushing it. Can I tell you the biggest L for a homemade meal that I've ever made? Of course. Okay, so not only am I a human being with an air fryer, but I also have access to a slow cooker. And there was a good two months where I was making every meal in a slow cooker just because it's, you know, the new item you have in your kitchen and you're like, I gotta use this. I got nothing but time, let's go so, for it. huge mistake. I wanted to make lo mein at home. I did not have the proper ingredients. I didn't have egg noodles. I had whole wheat noodles. <laughs> I ended up making whole wheat noodle lo mein in a slow cooker. And let me tell you, it not only is the worst dish I've ever made, <laughs> but Jackie continually uses that as the low bar. Like if something, I cook something for dinner, I'm like, hey, how do you like it? She's like, it's not, not as bad as the whole wheat lo mein. Like it's an upsetting, I just know that that is something that I will one day have to tackle making lo mein and doing it in a slow cooker with whole wheat spaghetti is not. Yeah, that seems really inappropriate. I imagine the noodles were super mushy, right? It was okay, but the whole wheat like vibe, it was more Italian than it was Asian. And I put soy sauce in there and I put ginger and I had like the carrots, the broccoli, I had chicken and God, it was so bad. It was bad. And we had so many, so many like, like Tupperware containers after leftovers that like, they were just in our fridge for like a week and a half, two weeks before we were like, yeah, no one wants to eat this. I got to toss this. This is deplorable. It was the biggest L so, so far. 
Now, did you get this from a recipe or you were just freestyling in the kitchen? Oh no, if you Google whole, whole wheat lo mein, it shows up with uh, with the exact steps I took. And it's just, it's just a bad idea. I don't know who, who, at, who at Delish or who at any of these test kitchens thinks this is good, but they're wrong. I'm actually very against whole wheat pasta. I, I do not like whole wheat pasta. I think it's garbage because pasta is unhealthy regardless. So don't try to church it up. Like, don't make it like, you know what I mean? Like it's level nine unhealthy and you're trying to make like level eight unhealthy. Like get out of here. Did you say church it up as the, <laughs> like don't try and make it like. Don't try to healthy it up. Like it's. Oh, horrible. I agree. I'm fine with whole wheat bread. I'm down with that. Give me bread with like seven different seeds on it for no reason. Love it. But if you give me a whole wheat pasta, I'm like, this is a big mess. Is there anything that you wish we would have talked about? Like, is there any food related things I didn't bring up or anything about anything? Um, I would say to end the podcast, I would love it if you could give me a compliment. Okay. Is that, <laughs> is that a fair request? Of course, absolutely. Uh, we used to end our podcast Always Been Silly, and we would request our guests to say, give me a compliment. And usually people would be like, wait, what? Are you serious? We're like, no, we're definitely serious. My compliment to you, Brandon, is you're one of the most lovable, hilarious, kind people. Um, you're so fun and engaging to talk to. You're a great listener and a great friend, and I'm really, truly thankful that uh, we still keep in touch. I love the compliment. It was well thought out and kind and loving. And I will say the exact same thing back to you. Plus, uh, I will say that you have a personality that you don't need to work on anything because it's already so fun and joyous and good. And the world needs more people like you because you don't need to try to be good. And I think that is important. Thank you so much, man. Um, yeah, that's it. So the podcast is over. 